Greetings to all of God's people. This is Mordecai Joseph. We're now in Lesson 90 in Chapter 26 of the Book of Acts in verse 1, where we read about Paul being now before the king, King Agrippa. And we read in verse 1, Then Agrippa said to Paul, You are permitted to speak for yourself. In other words, he was brought before him by the governor, because the governor didn't know what to do with Paul, since he couldn't see anything wrong with uh, what he had done, and the people that came to accuse him, his own people, the people of Israel, the people of Judah, they did not really bring anything that was credible, and he couldn't see what he could accuse him for, and therefore he said, well, let's let's uh, have uh, King Agrippa, who was an Edomite king, true, but all the Edomites were converted to Judaism uh, a while back, so he was uh, very familiar with what is called the way, in other words, the Torah of God, the ways of God, the prophets, Moses. And then what came later on in terms of Jesus Christ coming to preach whatever Moses and the prophets uh, said about him and about his ministry and about the future because he's the one that inspired them to begin with. And so Paul is standing now before the king, King Agrippa, and he says to him, you are permitted to speak for yourself. So Paul stretched out his hand and answered for himself. I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because today I shall answer for myself before you concerning all the things of which I am accused by the Jews. And uh, when he says by the Jews, such his own people, because he himself is a Jew. Especially because you are an expert in all customs and questions which have to do with the Jews. In other words... Uh, the Torah, and Moses, and the prophets. And therefore I beg you to hear me patiently, my manner of life from my youth, which was spent from the beginning among my own nation, at Jerusalem, all the Jews know. They knew me from the first, either were willing to testify that according to the strictest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. And as I said earlier, in Jerusalem, he still considered him himself a Pharisee. Only now he has a better understanding, and his eyes are open, and he's, he has the Holy Spirit. And he understands what part of the Torah should be kept, in terms of what God gave Israel to keep forever, and what part that the rabbis have added, which are also called a part of the Torah, explanation of the Torah, and yet it was not uh, from the Torah, in other words, God didn't require all those things as they did. They went to the to the book of Leviticus and saw all the rituals and the, the, the priest had to go through in order to purify himself before he can come before God. And based on that, they began to elaborate and add more do's and don'ts and strict things which God never intended for them to go that far. And so in their own mind, they thought, well, that's do it, part of the Torah. So they called it also the Torah. Uh, the difference is that it was the Torah as the rabbis saw it, not as God saw it, and that's where the problem was. And so, Paul being raised in that religion, in that way, which is a mixture of the Torah, of the law of Moses, of the law that God gave Israel, of the teachings of the prophets, and also rabbinic uh, Judaism. You see, there is biblical Judaism, rabbinic Judaism, and he was raised on both. His Jews are, are raised uh, on both and yet are inclined more to uh, to live by the laws of the rabbis, which oftentimes, unfortunately, contradict the law of God itself. And so Paul lived this kind of life after the strictest sect of our religion, 
I didn't ask anybody to be strict. I didn't ask anybody to be liberal. Moses commanded Israel, you don't go to the right. Don't become a conservative. Don't become a strict person. Don't go to the right. Don't go to, to, to the other extreme. And don't go to the left. Don't become a liberal either. You see? God's way is right. You don't need to add to it or diminish from it. And so the Pharisees thought, in order to be really righteous, you've got to be strict. And some people always have that tendency, and in our own midst, we always see that. There are those on the right, there are those on the left. And that's human nature. And so that's the kind of a Pharisee he was. A very strict one. In other words, he was not a compromiser with the law. He was not a liberal. He was not being well and saying, well, I don't have to live by that or live by this. He was, as he mentioned in other place, as touching the righteousness which is in the law, perfect. And so were the Pharisees. And all of them did strive to become perfect, and that was their understanding of perfection. Be very strict. And in verse 6 he adds, And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made by God to our fathers. So his judgment was not based on the fact that he transgressed the law of the temple, or any Jewish law. He wasn't transgressing any of that. But he said that the major issue really here is not all those things, because I'm a Pharisee. He still told, you know, the, the Pharisees in, uh, in Jerusalem, I'm a Pharisee. It's not that I used to be. You know, I'm not compromising with the law of God. I keep it. So they had nothing to, against him in that matter. And yet he said the real issue here is the hope of the promise made by God to our fathers, that is, by Elohim. And to this, uh, the promise obviously speaking about is the coming of the king of Israel, the deliverer, the savior. And in verse 7 he says to this promise, Our twelve tribes earnestly serving God day, night and day hope to attain. For this hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused by the Jews. You see, this is a real matter. Uh, this is the issue here. Why should it be thought incredible by you that God raised, raises the dead? That is Elohim. Indeed, I myself am, uh, notice that. He's speaking about the two identities here. One is of God and the other one is going to speak about the, uh, the one that was the direct God of Israel. And then he became, in the flesh, Jesus Christ. And so he said, why should it be thought incredible by you that God raises the dead, that Elohim raises the dead, that is the Father? Indeed, I myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. This I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints are shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests, and when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. So he said, you see, I was a very strict Pharisee, obedient to the law, so they cannot find anything wrong with me. And that's the way the Pharisees were. They were so strict and so meticulous about every little law, big one and little one, that even his own fellow men fellow Pharisees, even at this time, they couldn't find anything wrong with him as far as the law is concerned. So the issue was always the personality and the office and the promise of the Father to send a Savior to Israel. And this is, in essence, what they are really uh, against, ultimately speaking. That was the issue. Well, that's what he's trying to uh, bring to the attention of the king. And then in verse 22... He says, therefore, having obtained 
help from Elohim, from God, to this day I stand witnessing both the small and great, saying no other things than those which the prophets and Moses said would come. In other words, I'm not preaching a new religion. You see? And from the point of view of those who came later on that claimed that he was the founder of Christianity, a different religion, he says, no, I wasn't doing any of that. So really, they have no leg to stand on when they claim that. There's no such a thing of Paul deviating from the teachings of Christ. There's some, and there's so many books about that. And the Jews believe those lies and accuse Paul as the one who perverted the, the teachings of Jesus Christ and created a new religion that is called Christianity, and that's where Catholics and Protestants came from. And to this day, they all believe in that, and they teach that, and they proclaim that, and some of us are very interested with it and affected with it without even realizing to what degree. And many of us, because of that, went back to that same vomit out of which they came. It's just full of lies. And he says, I haven't said anything else that the prophets that Moses didn't say. That's the only religion he preached, the way. You see? There are no two religions. There are no two churches. It's just one church, one people, one Torah, one religion, one God, one Savior, one Elohim. It's all one. There are no two divisions here. And he's making it very plain. You do not come and preach exactly the same thing that Moses and the prophets did, and then you come up with a new religion. There is no way you can do it. If you're just preaching the same. You're still preaching the same religion. And so in verse 23, he says that the Christ would suffer. In other words, he spoke about, he taught only what Moses and the prophets said, that the Christ would suffer, that he would be first to rise from the dead, and would proclaim light to the Jewish people, or to the nation of, of Judah, and to the Gentiles, in other words, to Israel, and to the Gentiles. Now, not only to the Jewish people, but to all of Israel, the twelve tribes. That's why uh, Christ sent his disciples later on. He told them, throughout your ministry, and even to the day that I come back. He says, go to the house of Israel. And as he told them, in the, in, you can read it in uh, Matthew chapter 10, we went through that. The whole commission that he gave to his disciples, and the emphasis that he gave to to his disciples throughout the coming generations, not only in his day, is to go to the house of Israel. And so, that's why he said, you will not go through all the cities of Israel until the Son of Man come. He didn't say all the cities of the world. He said all the cities of Israel because that was the emphasis of the commission to Israel. Bring them back to the fold. And ultimately, all of them are going to be brought back to the fold and all Israel will be saved, as Paul said. So there was no need to, to invent a new religion and give it to Israel, but bring them back to the religion of Israel, which was given to begin with, which the fathers believed in, and for which purpose uh, they received the promises and the covenants. And so that's what he's saying here. I haven't deviated from any of that. Now he thus made his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are beside yourself. Much learning is driving you mad. And he hasn't said anything that uh, should cause him to say that. But nevertheless, that's what the government's, uh, the governor's reaction was. And so in verse 27, Paul is addressing the king now. He says, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you do believe. Because you see, he was, well, he was an Edomite, as I said. Uh, they were all Jews by conversion. And uh, his mother, to begin with, was Jewish. 
because uh, King Herod married uh, a Jewish uh, princess, and so some of his children uh, were half Jewish. And so he says, you know, do you know, do you believe the prophets? And he, he knew that he did. I know that you do believe. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuade me to be a follower of the Messiah. And later on, the translation changed that into, you persuade you persuaded me to be a Christian. You see? Uh, King Agrippa obviously didn't speak English, so he did not use this language. He said, you almost persuade me to be a follower of the Messiah. In other words, follower of the, of the anointed. A follower of the Christ, you know, in Greek. Christos. And, in other words, since the king knew the prophets, knew what Moses said, and knew that what Paul was saying, that the prophet said and Moses said, is correct. And therefore, really, there is no reason for him not to believe that, and not to be a follower of the one that came and personified that office of the Savior, of the anointed Savior. And that's what he's talking about. He almost persuaded me to believe that this person is what Moses and the prophets spoke about. He's not talking about a new religion called Christian religion. And Paul said, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me today might become both almost and altogether such as I am, except for these chains. So you see that here again, we find exactly the same religion being taught by Paul, and King Agrippa fully comprehended what he was talking about. It was not any new religion. It was not any new teaching. It is not any new theology. It is exactly the same as the prophets knew and understood and believed, as all of Israel knew and believed and understood. It just there was a blindness there that when the fulfillment came, they could not see the fulfillment in their God who came in the flesh. Obviously, when you think about it, it's not an easy thing to believe in. That the one that was around you, walking and talking and eating and drinking, you know, and uh, conversing and maybe singing, you know, along with some brethren, going to the temple, you could stand by him and sing along with him and all that, uh, songs to God. It's difficult to, humanly speaking, to understand that this is the God of Israel. So I cannot blame people for feeling that way, because if we stood in their place, we would have been the same. Even his own disciples, even after the resurrection, they still had a difficult time believing it, like Thomas. So how much more of those were not in close contact with him? And then we go to chapter 27, verse 9, and where we read, Now when much time had been spent, in other words, now Paul is on his way to Rome, on a traveling on a boat, and so things were getting a little bit heavy there on, on, on the sea, and so in verse 9 we read, Now when much time had been spent, and selling was not dangerous, because the fast was already over, uh, over. and what fast would he talk about? Well, if Paul is a still a Pharisee, a Jew, of the religion of Israel, you don't need to guess too much what he's talking about. Because it's still the same religion. He hasn't abandoned that religion. He hasn't taught any new religion. And he's not the founder of Christianity. I mean, all that is made very plain from the beginning until the end. But you see, 2,000 years of deception and lies and confusion and throwing dust into the air created a totally different theology. And people were born in it and believed that's the truth. And many of us came out of it. And now we come back to the scriptures. And so many are blind 
and had been blinded by the wine of the wrath of the fornication of the great whore, as God would call her, you know, mystery Babylon the Great, you know, and then they come and read the scriptures, and then they totally get mixed up. And some people read this one and don't even know what it what it's talking about. But he's making it very plain. This whole thing is an Israelite matter, a religion of Israel, the religion of God or the Church of God that has never been different. And and, and Paul, to the end of his days, still considered him a member of the Church of Israel, a Pharisee. And that's his nation, and these are his people. And he would go to the temple, and he would go to the synagogue, and all the brethren did the same. They never saw themselves as members of another religion. And so this uh, theology, which is uh, based on, on, on lies and deceptions, and uh, unfortunately many of us have been uh, still uh, affected by it, because we were born with it, and we don't see the difference. That's why we come up with a sentence like that. You know, God put down Israel and picked up the church, and... That statement has been repeated for the past 2,000 years. It's nothing new. We're just parroting what we've been taught in our past, and we don't realize what we're saying. And so we contradict the scriptures constantly. And Paul, and the disciples, and Christ, and everyone made it very plain. There is no new religion. There is no new Torah. There is no new theology. There is no new church. It's all the same people, and the few that God is going to graft from the nations, to be a part of that church of Israel, the commonwealth of Israel, as we read in the translation. Obviously, Paul didn't say commonwealth of Israel. He wasn't speaking in English. But this is what he's talking about, the community of Israel. And it's not something that is being replaced by another community. And so he's making it very plain. It's a fast, the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. That's all he's talking about. Because... When he said the fast, everybody knew what you were talking about. There were many fasts, but when he said this fast, people knew that you're talking about Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. And then in 28 and verse 14, we continue, where he tells us uh, that he arrived to a certain place on the way, again, still on that journey to Rome. Along the way, they stopped someplace. And in verse 14, he says, We found brethren in a certain place, like it, I think they call it in, in the earlier verse, Puteoli, and they found brethren there, and were invited to stay with them seven days, and so we went toward Rome. And from there, when the brethren heard about us, they came to meet us as far as Appai Forum and three inns, or three taverns. When Paul saw them, he thanked God, thanked Elohim, the Father, and to courage. And so, wherever he went, he saw brethren, and he recorded that. It was recorded as brethren. He didn't say we, we saw Christians, because there's no new religion. You see? Those who came up with a new religion would rather change it to he saw Christians. No, he saw brethren. And brethren were Jews, generally speaking, and some were not. And they were attending the synagogue wherever they were, unless they were being persecuted and they had to go somewhere else. And they're all people of God. And then in verse 17, we continue, and it came to pass after three days that Paul called the leaders of the Jews together. Ah, if he was a founder of a new religion and all the Jewish community knew about it, do you think that they would call him or respond to him? 
and come over and listen to him? Obviously not. But they didn't see him as somebody else of a different religion, of a different uh, theology. So it was very natural for them, since they knew that he was a rabbi, a great rabbi, very well known, who taught the Torah, not only to his people, his own people in the synagogues, but also to other people of other nations. Anyway, the Jews allowed uh, the Gentiles to come to the synagogue around, you know, outside, and if they were willing to circumcise uh, themselves, uh, they were allowed inside too. So it was not so uncommon for the Jews to, to have the fellowship with the Gentiles in that sense. So most Jews were not bothered by the fact that he was preaching to the non-Jews, because the Jews were doing it themselves from the synagogue. And so he called the religious leaders of the Jews together, and all of them came to him. So when they had come together, he said to them, Men and brethren, now we're talking about the end of his ministry in Rome. And he's still Jewish, and he's still of the religion of Judah, the biblical Judaism, obviously, not rabbinic, but whatever rabbinic uh, teachings were there that were in accordance with the law, he too kept those things. There was nothing wrong with them. Some people think everything that is rabbinic is now no good. That's not true. Everything that is rabbinic, that is biblically oriented, that is in conjunction with the law of God, with the Torah, with the prophets, is all fine and good. And that was a part of the teachings that God commanded his disciples, that he, when he came in the flesh of Jesus Christ, he said, the first is seated on the seat of Moses, the first is in the scribes. And whatever they tell you to do, you better do. If it is from the Torah, and if it is according to the Torah, you better do that. You see? There's nothing wrong with that, just because he's a rabbi. But when you get this idea, which is a lie, a major lie, and you inject it into your mind and you believe it, then you've got a problem that there are two religions. Then you say, what should I listen to a rabbi? He was of a different religion. I'm a different religion. I'm a Christian and he's a Jew. You know, such a thing. You see? And that tells you, shows you how deeply involved we are and infested we are with the Babylonish teachings of the great whore, that we even think that way. When the rabbi speaks, knowing the Torah, knowing the prophets, and what he says is in accordance with it, you better listen to it. And for that matter, anybody, or anybody who opens the book of the law and teaches from it, if it is the words of God, he can, uh, can never despise it or have contempt for it. Be it a rabbi or somebody from Protestant uh, uh, religions, even though they may be mixed up in many other areas. If what they say is from the Torah, from the prophets, from the writings of the disciples, from what Christ said, what need is there to oppose that and to blaspheme that? That's not wisdom. And so therefore, he could listen to them and they could listen to him because they were still members of the same religion. Only he understands what the prophet said, and, he, and they don't. But gradually, as he's preaching to them, many more and more and more do understand. Because they do understand that what he's teaching is the very religion that they have been raised with all along, not a, you know, another theology or another religion. And so he's, he's telling them, men and brethren, see, they are still brethren, they are still his people, they are still his nation, they are still members of the same church. This is not interdenomination in a community, a conference, or interreligious. This is the same religion, with greater understanding, magnification of, of the truth, you know. As Isaiah told us earlier, that the Eternal, the Lord, Jehovah, will come and magnify the Torah. And that's what he's doing here. He's not magnifying another theology. 
another tree, another religion, but the Torah. And so he, tell, he tells them, men and brethren, because they were members of his own church, they're not having the Holy Spirit yet, men and brethren, though I have done nothing against our people, still his people, all the customs of our fathers, you see, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. I said, I didn't transgress anything Jewish that was in conjunction with the Torah or the prophets. And I'm still a keeper of the same theology and the same religion. And that, you know, for different religion. So none of them ever had the concept and none of them ever believed these lies because it was very plain. He was not a founder of a new religion and he was not known as such. And his fame was throughout all of Asia and all those places where the Jews were and in Rome. They knew very well what Paul was, yet there were those who were maligning him, you know, either from the Jewish community, some of them, and others from other communities, when speaking lies about him, that he's teaching a new theology, and he never did that. And he constantly defended himself, and, and, he, and he said it very pleasant that those who are speaking lies about me. And so when he came to Jerusalem, that's what the apostles were saying, you know, that those people were telling, telling all kinds of stories about you, that you are not... Uh, that you've forsaken your Judaism, that is the biblical Judaism, and he never done that. And that's what he's saying here again, very plainly, at the end of his ministry. I've never done anything against our people, all the customs of our fathers, not your fathers, our fathers, and our people, and our customs. Yet I was delivered. And then verse 18, who, when they had examined me, you know, the ones that, that took him, the Romans, they wanted to let me go because he said there was no cause for putting me to death. There was absolutely nothing that I've done wrong contrary to the religion of Judah. But when the Jews, speaking about his own people, spoke against it, it was compelled uh, and uh, actually in verse 28, verse 19, instead of the Jews, there is another translation there that it says the ruling authorities, not the Jews, you know, they are his own people. But even if he says the Jews, speaking by his own, uh, in, contrast, in contrast to the Romans. Uh, they spoke against it. I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, not that I had anything which to accuse my nation. He constantly makes that very plain. This is my people. This is my nation. This is my Torah. This is my religion. I've never deviated from it. I've never invented a new religion. There is no new theology. And all I believe is exactly what Moses and the prophets said. So where do we see Jesus Christ inventing a new religion? Where do we see his disciples coming up with a new religion? Where do we see Paul supposedly becoming the founder of Christianity? There is no such a thing. This is a lie that we all believe, unfortunately, to one degree or the other. And many parrot that as if it is truth, even in our own needs. And we regard the religion of Israel as a foreign religion. And the apostles and Christ and his disciples made it very plain. There is no such a thing. And for this reason, verse 20, Therefore I have called for you to see you and speak with you because for the hope of Israel. What is the hope of Israel? You see? It's exactly what the prophets spoke about. The Savior that will deliver us from all, all of our sins and from bondage to the nations, to the Gentiles. For the hope of Israel, my people. You see, this is because of the hope of Israel, the church, 
the people of God, the body of Christ, whether spiritual or physical. Christ is the one that led them out of Egypt. You see, they've been his people since that time. And the people that do not understand the history and the context and the background, you know, they come up with a new theology. No, Christ appeared on the scene to them only 2,000 years ago. No, he did not. He came down and formed Adam and Eve. And he came and married Israel, took them as a nation. Those were the first Christians, in other words, the followers of the anointed. That's what Paul was making plain to the Gentiles who were ignorant of that. As he said to the Corinthians, the one that they followed in the wilderness was Christ. Jesus Christ, that was the rock, the rock of Israel. And so that was the hope of Israel, that he will come, as Isaiah spoke very plainly in all the prophets, and atone for their sins and die for them and take his, their sins upon himself and give them life and deliver them from sin and iniquity and transgression and bondage and all the consequences of it. So there is no new religion here and new theology. And so that's what he's saying, for the hope of Israel. I am bound with this chain. Then they said to him, We neither receive letters from Judea concerning you, nor have any of the brethren who came reported or spoken any evil of you. Do you see what was his reputation among the his own brethren, the Jewish community at large, with the exception of the rebel rousers among them, who were speaking lies about him? The community of Israel at large, the Jewish community at large, didn't see anything wrong with his preaching, with his teaching. You see? They understood it. And that's why many of them followed. Not that they followed a new religion, but they realized this is what the prophets and Moses are spoke and is speaking all about. And that's exactly what Christ preached. They did not see any new religion on the scene. There was no such a thing. It's only when the false religion was established, the counterfeit church, that totally altered all the theology that was being taught all the teachings that were being taught by Christ, by his disciples, by Paul, and perverted them, being unlearned and ignorant, being devious, being grievous wolves, and created in that dark century this whole new religion called Mystery Babylon, you know, the Great. And it's unfortunately from their point of view, from their eyes, from their theology that everybody is now studying both the so-called New Testament and Old Testament, which is basically, as Christ made it very plain, it's the Torah, it's the prophets, it's the Psalms, and the writings, which includes the writings that he gives to his disciples. It's not Old Testament and New Testament. Yes, there was an old marriage covenant. That's a document, that's an issue that was, uh, was a separate entity in one sense, and yet it was all based on the Torah, on the prophets, and on the Psalms, and on the writings. So they merged these two together and, and branded the entirety of the writings that God gave to his people, which was the religion of Israel, the religion of God, the religion of Elohim, the religion of Jesus Christ, his son, the religion of his true church. And yet the false church has been there from the days of old, from Nimrod, from Babylon, that was constantly so to speak, vying for the preeminence, they are the ones that again merged into the scene and, and, to, and uh, took over the minds of many and, and taught them all those lies, now pro appropriating the king of Israel, the prophets of Israel, the apostles of Israel, of that religion, 
and took it to themselves and started giving all those names to it. So they had a need to, to create a new theology, and then when he studied their theology in, in comparison or in contrast to what the prophets or Moses or, the, or Christ or the apostles thought, you would realize that we are talking about totally two different religions. One is what God calls Mystery Babylon the Great, you see, and one which they call Christianity, and that's how they deceived many. That's why Christ said, many shall come in my name. See, the name of Jesus, or the name of Christ. Many, not few. And shall deceive many. And many of us are still being deceived to this very moment. Thinking that we are in the light, in the truth. That's why many of us have that resentment and contempt for the Torah of God. We don't want to hear about it. We want to hear about grace. People say, well, why, what did you preach to me from the Old Testament? What do you mean the Old Testament? There is no such a thing the Old Testament. There is Old Covenant marriage. That's the reason why they say that. Because they're still, you know, in their heart, to a degree, they're still in Babylon. And that's what God has to say. Come out of Babylon, otherwise you're going to be partakers of her plagues. And many of us should wake up before it is too late. And begin to study the history of the church of God, of the people of God, of the wife of God, from his point of view, the way he taught it, not the way the Gentiles did. The false church. And so that's, what they are saying to him, look, we haven't heard anything wrong about you or any evil. Nobody ever said, you know, anything evil about you. We haven't received any letters. And yet there were constant uh, merchants, Jewish merchants, that were coming from Rome to Jerusalem and back and forth and throughout the entirety of the Roman Empire. And they haven't heard anything bad about him because whatever he preached was Moses and the prophets. There was nothing wrong with that. So some people think that the, that the few among the Jews who were rebel rousers, you know, uh, were uh, speaking for the entire community, and they were not. Just like you see in the, in the, the Apostle Paul's uh, journey. And some synagogue would have a problem, then he goes to another one, like the Bereans, had no problem whatsoever, they were noble, they're different, and most congregations and synagogues, that's the way they were. It's just God didn't open their eyes to go all the way. But they're still waiting for the hope of Israel, which they didn't realize already came in their day. And so, that's what they're saying. We haven't heard anything about you. And then verse 22, but we desire, we desire to hear from you what you think. You see? And you don't say that to somebody that you know is a founder of another religion. No Jew would ever say that. No religious Jew. No Orthodox Jew. And this is what they were. Devout Jews. But knowing that he's preaching only Moses and the prophets, magnifying the Torah, they had no problem. That's what they desire to hear what he has to say. You know, when you read all the statements, when you have the background, then you understand fully, you can comprehend what they're talking about here, what's really happening here. And you just have to take off, you know, that uh, the, the, the glasses of, of uh, Protestantism and Catholicism and the theology of the great whore and the harlots, and then you begin to see the scriptures for what they are. The light goes on. And so that's what they said. We want to hear you, you know. In other words, come to the synagogue and preach. Speak, you know, after after the hour of prayer that is not instead, you know, as we do. Uh, we departed so far that we don't even understand what the hour of prayer is all about. Instead of coming and having God as the center of our fellowship and our worship where we come, as it was in the temple, as it is in the synagogue to this very day. You come before God, you praise Him, you honor Him, you glorify Him, you extol Him, you speak of Him, you study His Word, and then you lecture about His Word. That's called the hour of prayer, that's called the worship. And if you want to understand that, you know, you pick up, a, uh, you go to any synagogue or you go to any library and pick up the prayer book. And you can see that. 
This is what they copied from uh, the synagogue in the days of Ezra and Nehemiah, in the days of Christ, and what was in the temple, and the added prayers that were there added because there were no more sacrifices. So now they were having uh, spiritual sacrifices. In other words, their lips became the sacrifice where they were honoring and extolling and glorifying God. And you see how, uh, the kind of prayers they have there. You know, the Psalms, parts of the law, parts of the prophets, and the prayers that were all directed to God. And so when the congreg- congregation comes together, the people of Israel, the people of God, the church of God, they come to praise God. And what is it that some of us have? We go to services and speak our own words, you know, a few songs here and there just to get it over with, sort of lip service to God. And after that, we pontificate and speak our own words and tell jokes and this and that and the other thing and entertain the congregation and everybody feels good and goes home and don't remember what they heard. That's why we are where we are. Well, this is not the religion that Paul is talking about, the religion of Israel. Well, they didn't do things like that. And so that's why you hear several times here in the book of Acts about the, the disciples, the apostles, going to the temple or to the synagogue in the hour of prayer. And so these people, who were all practicing the same religion, both Paul and these Jews, they wanted to hear from him here. You know, he's a rabbi in town. He's not a founder of a new religion. And so they said, well, you know, we desire to hear from you what you think for concerning this sect. We know, you know, it's this sect. It's not another religion. Just this sect. You know, there are many sects among us, the Jewish community. So they said, for concerning this sect, we know that it is spoken against everywhere. You see? So there were many, you know, who were speaking against it, but they don't know what, what it is all about. And yet the ones who were listening to it, who were open-minded, who were objective, they realized, hey, this is the same religion where we all believe that we grew up with. We don't see any new religion here. And that's why we say, they say here, in many other places, when they really listen to it, they realize that's their own religion. That is teaching. And all the other disciples have done the same. It's not a new religion. And that's exactly what Christ was telling people that began to think, well, he's preaching something else. They said, don't think that I came to destroy the Torah of the prophets. There is no new religion on the scene here. It's the same religion. The same theology. The same God. And it's the same church and it's the same people. That's why I told his disciples, you go to the lost house of Israel and you give them the same religion that they've known all their lives. Bring them back to it. And so in verse 23, so when they had appointed him a day, many came to him at his lodging, uh, to whom he explained and solemnly testified of the kingdom of God. And what was the kingdom of God? It's what Moses told them all about, what the prophets told them all about, with the disciples, as Jesus Christ before ascended up to heaven, Lord, will you restore the kingdom at this time to Israel? That's the kingdom he's talking about. Not the ethereal kingdom that was invented later on and became the central theology of the false church. That's the kingdom he's talking about. And all of them fully comprehended that and understood it. It was nothing new. And so he's testified of the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus the one who is coming to rule over the house of Jacob and the resurrection of David, the king of Israel, and the establishment again of Jerusalem, being the city, the center of all uh, the world, mainly of Israel first, and all the nation of Israel being back in their land. That's what he's talking about. And so he said, you know, we read here, and he was testifying of the kingdom of, of God, the kingdom of Elohim, persuading them concerning Jesus, the one who is sent by him, the direct 
God of Israel, that is the direct Jehovah of Israel, the eternal of Israel, deity, you know, God is, is confusing, very confusing when you say God. It's a deity. There is a chief deity and there is a deity under him. Uh, so Jesus Christ is the deity that was in charge of Israel directly and married Israel and did all that in the name of his father who sent him. The one that became his father, obviously, 2,000 years ago. But he was testifying of the kingdom of Elohim, persuading them concerning the Savior, Jesus, that's, that's what it means, from both the law of Moses, that is the Torah of Moses, which obviously this Jesus, this direct deity of Israel, gave to Moses and to Israel. So he was persuading them from the law of Moses, from the Torah of Moses, and from the prophets, from morning till evening. And when you come and teach the very religion that you've been raised with in Israel, you don't think it is a new religion, or another religion, or another theology, and you certainly are, you are not going to uh, call it Christianity. You're not going to change the name. This is the way. It's been always the way. And that's the only way that has ever been preached and taught by the disciples, by the, by the apostles. And yet we are, we are you know, because we, we came out of Babylon, we are so... Uh, deeply into it that does not even dawn on us that all of our terminolo terminology is Babylonish. Didn't come from God. Didn't come from the apostles. Nowhere would you see this terminology there. You don't see Christianity, Christendom to Christian, you know. You don't see all these terminologies here. And yet, because we were children of Babylon and we came out of it, just like the children of Israel came out of Egypt, that brought Egypt with them and we brought Babylon with us and God says, get rid of it. Come out of Babylon. Yeah. That's where we find ourselves here, where Paul is teaching exactly the same religion of Israel. And so, verse 24, And some were persuaded by the things which were spoken, and some disbelieved. Because if God didn't call them, they could not perceive it and understand the magnification of the Torah and the prophets. And so, when they did not agree among themselves, in other words, some did, some did not. They departed after Paul had said one word. The Holy Spirit spoke rightly. And some people read that and say, Aha, this is the third person. Well, have a background. Go back to Isaiah, from which he is quoting, and you find out who is this Holy Spirit. He's the God of Israel. He's the one that became Jesus Christ. This is the one that Christ, you know, that Paul calls the Holy Spirit. And he's done it several times. When he speaks about the Holy Spirit, he's speaking about the God of Israel. Either the Father who is called the Most High, and it would be referred to also as the Holy Spirit, or the direct deity of Israel, the Jehovah, the Savior of Israel, and he calls him the Holy Spirit. And when you go to Isaiah, you find out the Holy Spirit is speaking about is the God of Israel, who appeared to Isaiah in the temple. So he's saying the Holy Spirit spoke rightly through Isaiah the prophet to our fathers. That's what Peter says. The Spirit of Christ in other words, moved, the prophets moved by the Spirit of Christ. So this is what the Holy Spirit is all about. And people who are ignorant and blind, you know, members of the Babylonish religion, uh, don't understand that. And some in our midst, in a large group in our midst, went back to the same old vomit and to the same, you know, the same old Babylonish religion and lies and deceptions, and they totally lost their sight. And they understand that they had previously, and now they are into a new theology, a new religion. And so they are among the many who come in the name of Christ and say that he is the Christ and deceive many and people just continue to tag along with them and where are they going to end up 
And so he says, the Holy Spirit, speaking about Jesus Christ, spoke rightly through Isaiah the prophet, our father, saying, Go to these people and say, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive, for the hearts of these people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing. You see, and when he says, Go see to these people, and this is what uh, Paul is doing here, he's speaking about the people of Israel. It's specific. It says, their ears, verse 27, that is, uh, for the hearts of these people have grown dull, and their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts, and turn so that I should heal them. I, the God of Israel, I, the Holy Spirit, I, Jesus Christ, I, the Jehovah of Israel, the deity of Israel. Uh, those in our midst who think they are smart, you know, smarter than God, and calling uh, Jesus Christ smart Alec, he came and you know that came and, and claimed to be God, and he's not a deity. And they've got all those you know, discussions: was he, was he not? So, you know, it's just uh, mind-boggling, you know, how people can from light go to darkness, and yet that's what God says: woe unto them that call light darkness. And uh, many of us went into darkness. And so this is Jesus Christ speaking, and he says, I will heal them, I should heal them. In other words, that's not, in other words, what he's saying here, basically. This is not the plan. This is not the time to heal all of them. You see? Because they have chosen to walk in that path, in that way, in that rebellion. Therefore, I'm going to conclude them in unbelief. That's what he's saying. It's not that he didn't want to. Just like he told Jerusalem. How often, you know, at the end of Matthew 23, after he... He scolded the Pharisees very weakly and very sharply. He said, yes, how often, Jerusalem, I wanted to bring you under my wings, but you would not. That's why he says, I don't, you know, this is not the time to heal them, because they would not. They did not want to. It's not because they didn't want to. And that's what he's saying here to the people of Israel. And it's not another religion. His own people. And so in verse 28, he says, Therefore let it be known to you that the salvation of Elohim, or God, has been sent to the nations, and they will hear it. Well, at this point, we shall stop. This is again Mordecai Joseph saying greetings to all of God's people. Until next time. The preceding message was taken from the worldwide website at address www.biblestudy.org. This site is sponsored by Barnabas Ministries. Bible Study. You have questions. The Bible has answers.